Hello and welcome to the European Customer Experience Organisation's Experience the Difference podcast. My name is Christopher Brooks and I'm your host. Today we are joined by Thomas Vivanite. Thomas is an accomplished consultant, having worked for over 25 years, spanning many countries and many sectors, originally focusing on CRM but stretching across to incorporate customer experience as well. Thomas and I had a great conversation about the importance of context and expectation in successful customer experience management. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by um, Thomas Liebenite, who is one of the ECXO members who we're really pleased has accepted our invitation to come onto our podcast. So, so welcome, Thomas. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Great. You've written a number of articles on, on a particular topic we're going to come on to. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about that. You inhabit the world of customer experience. You're very much a customer specialist, understanding data are much broader than that. And in the ECXO, we know of you, but there may be some listeners out there who are less familiar. So would you mind just introducing yourself and giving us an appreciation of your journey here so far and, and your role in the world of customer experience? Well, the journey started in the armed forces, where there is not that much of customer experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you're at the receiving end of a customer experience, it's probably quite well fatal, right? <laughs> Kidding aside, so uh, by background, I'm I'm a computer scientist. I'm in the CRM area and the wider CRM area since 1995, starting with well, development uh, was part of. And I'm not ashamed of saying that I'm a good part of the SAP CRM development, which I did till 2008 when I changed the side of the force and got into consulting and industry analyst work, which I'm doing in worldwide capacities since. So starting in Montreal, going to New Zealand, Back to Germany, which I wanted to avoid, but well, <laughs> haven't. And I'm in the United States, in the Seattle area right now. Right. And well, having roots in CRM, that obviously leads into CX for various reasons. Because every of my clients, which are B2B and B2C companies, they want to be able to engage with their customers in the way that they create a positive experience in, within them, which leads me to one of my pet peeves. It's there's nothing like a system of experience. <laughs> You're well travelled. You know you've kind of you've you've practiced your trade in many different geographies, and you say B to B, B to C, probably many sectors as well. And there does seem to be kind of this notion that there is a a single version. Customer experience is a thing you can land somewhere, but. From what you're saying, your experience is not not the case. It's very different. No, and the experience happens totally and exclusively on the side of the one I engage with. Right now, you experience something that I may not have intended you to, to experience, right? So the experience itself is totally on the side of the recipient, totally. What I can do is influence it mm -hmm. or try to influence it. But there I don't even have control you know, so i can influence it if if you happen to get up in the morning with like me for take me as an example i had my first meetings at 5 a.m i didn't have any coffee <laughs> i had a short night means i'm i might be in a grumpy mood 
So you're now saying something that is intended as a joke. As I'm grumpy, I probably don't take it as a joke. Sure. So if, if the same happens somewhere in the afternoon or later mornings with me having plenty of coffee means being fueled up, being in a good mood, have some great customer engagements in between, not that much stress, no nothing, so lots of fun, then I take it as a joke and I'm happy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So means the experience has a lot of context, which is, again, on my side, mm -hmm. not on yours. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is assume something, but we all know, well, in English, what happens, what assume means, right? It's yeah, abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Which I won't yeah. spell out yeah. now. So there's a lot of context, and part of her context also is the expectation. Let's let's take airlines as an expect. I have different expectations from a Ryanair as from a Lufthansa. The latter thinking of itself as a premium airline. So I expect more. Mm -hmm. The same treatment I happily accept, or maybe not so happily accept from from Ryanair. I would not accept happily from Lufthansa. Mm -hmm. I frequently use a model that I call the abbreviated. Maslow pyramid of, of customer expectations or employee expectations. So give us, an, give us an appreciation of what so that looks like. It's abbreviated as Maslow talks of, of five levels. I talk of three. The base level is, well, it needs to work. It needs to be effective. So this is, if you're not effective in delivering engagements, then, well, nothing works at all, right? So you're, you're not winning a proverbial pot of flowers on that level. So this is quite binary. Base expectations are it needs to work. So I customer come with a problem, a challenge, a need for information, and I'm looking for some information or a solution. You better have it because my assumption is that you do have it, else I wouldn't have engaged with you. Or <laughs> you engaged with me because you think you have something that, that I could need. Yeah. The second level is once we are engaging, it needs to be efficient. Mm -hmm. So you do not want to put too much friction into the whole interaction and the solution finding, the inter well, the, the whole engagement that is on my side. Unless we are talking like Disney or something, then sometimes the the friction is part part of the experience. part of the experience that I shall have. Mm -hmm. But in general, in, in normal business interactions, there shouldn't be that much friction. Well, one exception is maybe unboxing my new Mac. That shall be an experience in itself. Yeah, yeah. But in general, getting there should be easy and efficient, which brings us to the third level. And this, this is where the, the cake is. Sometimes it needs to be fun. Yeah, that's the unwrapping part. Sometimes, nearly always, I would like to be treated as a human by the business. I'm a human at the end of the day, so I want to be treated as a human. This involves that sometimes I want to be surprised. Sometimes. You can't make that the rule. So this is, this is the top level of the pyramid where you can make the real difference. And you need to make the difference there because, frankly, products and services are interchangeable. They so, are commodities at the end of the day. It's the if, they, if somebody says it's the new the product is is the new oil, then yes, everybody has oil and it's black everywhere. Yeah. Like electricity, it doesn't have a color. Come comes out of the the outlet, and well, it's the same whether it comes from utility one or two. So the difference is 
the surroundings. And this, this is what the pyramid gives you a model to think with. It also tells you pretty clearly that it is not a good idea to strive to consistently exceed customer expectations. Just think of it. I'm happy if you exceed my expectations. I'm glad. So now, similar situation, you're doing the same to me again. So I'm again glad because you, well, it was twice now so that, that you acted better than I expected it. Guess what happens in the third time? I expect that you act like that. I just expect it. Means the bar has been raised and you are no more exceeding my expectations. You are meeting my expectations, which means you need to think of something better. And that leads to a vicious circle. You will not be able to fulfill that in, in an economic way. Mm -hmm. And even if you probably can find ways to consistently exceed my expectations, at some point in time, you will go bankrupt. Yeah. You will go bust doing that. So this is not nothing that is sustainable. A couple of points I think yeah. are really interesting. On your pyramid, do you find that companies try to enter above the engagement level? They kind of there's an assumption made on the engagement. So they're trying to connect with customers at an efficiency level or or, or even kind of you know at the delight level. Is this is this the mistake companies make? They try to jump, but you actually need to get that engagement first of all to demonstrate the thing works rather than, you know, and I find this sometimes and I may be wrong here, but marketing will promise something that can't be delivered. You know, it will overpromise. It could be supply and logistics. The customer didn't need it in two hours, but it was a good sell for marketing to say, we'll get it to you in two hours. I needed it tomorrow, but you didn't deliver it in two hours. And now the engagement's gone because I'm out. You didn't do the basics that I wanted you to do, which was d deliver it at the time you told me. Is this a challenge organizations have, understanding the importance of working through the layers? This is an inside as well as an outside challenge, especially talking about things like logistics, fast delivery. Let's take Amazon as an example there. Amazon Prime, right? They, they promise to deliver me latest the day after, which they mostly do. And they actually started with something that promised me a delivery date and then have been faster, which goes into the exceeding expectation things. What they did with it, and they are able to fulfill their promise. What they did is they raised the bar for everybody else in situations where it doesn't really matter. Sure. So look at me right now at my, what I'm sitting in front of here. So I, I have my computer here. So now I go order a new one. It doesn't really matter whether it comes tomorrow or next week, Monday, Tuesday. That doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Of course, I love to have it a little earlier because I'm, well, I'm geeky, I'm nerdy, and I love <laughs> to have my new play toy. But do I need it? No, it's different in terms of crucial suppliers. So you better be fast. And there you're talking about the CX and supply chain. Well, there you better have a plan B if something like COVID happens where the potential of supply chains breaking is happening, right? Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a potential anymore. It, it really came to place here. So what is important is that I raise expectations that I first am able to fulfill, that secondly match my brand. If Ryanair sends out marketing mails that talk about premium caretaking for me and my family, my luggage and whatever, then 
bringing me with the Porsche to, or, well, a Lamborghini or a, a big other car to the stairs of the plane, carrying me in, then they probably raise some expectations or uh, tell me something that I first would think of being ridiculous. Yeah. So means the expectations they raise need to match the brand image. And if, if they want to move up the food chain, the proverbial food chain of, of brand image into premium brand, then they probably shouldn't do that in one huge leap, but step by step as well. Look at Volkswagen. Well, the name was program, right? It's the car for everybody, for the masses. What they managed to do is they move, they managed to move up the ladder to get into a premium segment. And even they're not top-notch, because uh, if you remember the Phaeton, which was a failed attempt to put something against S-Class Mercedes, Audi A8, the, the like. So they, there they failed as well, because this didn't fit the brand. Those messages need to fit as well. Mm -hmm. And this is very difficult to achieve. And there it sometimes needs a sounding board of, well, customers or experts of external peoples and people in general that tell them about what can fit and what not. Sure. So let's talk about that point, because you said this earlier around the experience isn't something the company owns or the organization owns. The experience is something the customer owns and the context right. and the expectation will define how well received that experience is. Now, that those two variables, the context yeah. and the expectation there are many many millions of combinations of what that could look like and you know i think part of our our hope when we're developing experiences that our customers that customers value is to somehow get closer to understanding well what are those expectations and what are those those contexts in which the experience is received so have you got any advice how you can kind of reduce the risk or or start to identify things that are whilst not always the same are common or popular? I mean, how do you make it easier for yourself to get it right as an organization? One piece of advice is don't look into contexts that that you can't control at all. So Brilliant. basically keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. In terms of journeys, for example, is um, don't define them too much because you don't know enough about me anyways. So rather look into the moment than assuming in the given situations, if you're following my actions and interactions, my reactions in a given situation, in a given sequence of interactions, then you can get a far clearer picture of what I want right now. And then you're taking away to some extent the need to assume about my state of mind. So we're kind of saying they don't assume. And also if you can't control it, then let it go. Just coming to kind of conclude here, one of the, the things that you mentioned earlier we, we discussed about was context. Geography, culture must have a huge impact on kind of context. I've certainly seen, you know, when you look at things like net promoter scores, love them or loathe them, what determines as great in Japan is very different to what it is in India as it is to Mexico. So there's no conformity. How have you found working in different geographies context and, and then bringing that back to the ECXO how useful is it having a community of global experts who are prepared to share and exchange their knowledge and advice to improve our capabilities and our understanding in these areas 
it is always important to have communities. What is good and very valuable about ECXO is that there, that the organization of this community tries to focus on, I'd say, an underserved area by leveraging knowledge from other sides, from other areas, by including knowledge from, from other areas or experiences from other areas. I mean, look, looking at the US right now, it's a vast market. Even there are some differences, but it's significantly less diversified than Europe. Even Germany in itself is more diversified than, than, than the US. So things need to work slightly different, sure. which does not mean that things need to be treated totally and started totally different. So it means there's valuable knowledge out there which can be used and adapted, adopted and adapted. Yeah. So this is something that the ECXO will deliver. Excellent. It's really important. I think having someone like yourself as part of the community, you bring that global perspective, you bring that that kind of variation, you know, you make the right challenges. I think that's really, really healthy. So thank you very much for being a member of the uh, ECXO and, and look look forward to, to more of your wisdom as the years grow forward. Thank you again. I'm not that old. <laughs> you've, amassed, you've amassed a lot in your short time, let's say. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Heaps.